What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Revenue Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Parker. And today, uh, we have Charles Mulbauer on with us. Charles is the lead enablement manager at CB Insights. Um, I personally have learned a ton from Charles around discovery. You might know him from, uh, he's very known for the humbling disclaimers and that method of, of asking tough questions and discovery and just listening to Charles speak. You can tell this guy is good at discovery. So we, we dig into a lot of really cool things today. Um, uh, we do kind of dig into how he starts his day and gets prepared for the day. Something I'm personally interested in with all the folks I talk to here. So fun to share what everyone's doing there. And then on discovery, um, we dig into, you know, how prep, um, you know, how to prep. So kind of what he's doing when he's prepping for discovery calls, as well as like, how do you build that in to your discovery card? So how do you put it to play and how that relates to rapport? So um, some interesting takes there that I think will be super valuable for everyone. Um, we talk a little bit about the difference between inbound and outbound discovery. And I love you know what Charles has to say about this topic, because what follows that is you know the framework for his discovery calls. And um, Charles makes a great analogy around you know comparing a roadmap for your discovery calls to you know following a map to your friend's house if you like know how to get there. So um, really great story there and an awesome way to think about discovery. I watch a lot of reps that struggle like how to put this all together. Sometimes they just end up winging it and you know just end up kind of frustrated. So um, a lot of cool things unpacked there with Charles. We didn't get to everything. Uh, we'll definitely have a round two here, but hope you enjoy this episode. And if you are a company looking to level up your outbound sales game, I'd love to chat with you over at Alti Sales. Feel free to reach out to me you know, on LinkedIn or by email at ethan at altisales.com. And if you're an individual rep looking to level up your outbound game, both prospecting and you know all the way through bottom of funnel and closing, we do have um, new spots open in Outbound Squad for March. Outbound Squad is a program for reps that you know, love landing big meetings with their prospects and closing outbound deals, but hate you know, sending hundreds and hundreds of cold emails without getting any responses. So if you'd be interested to chat more about that, you can also email me at ethan at blissfulprospecting.com and just put Outbound Squad in the subject line. Without further ado, let's, uh, let's take it to Charles. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Welcome to the Revenue Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Parker. Let's go. If you're not answering why change, you can go ahead and close lost that deal. The problem with outbound sales is AEs are talking to people like they're already in the consideration phase of the buyer's journey, and they're not. We have to shift everything in our discovery to be entirely customer-centric. You have to make them lean in. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Revenue Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, as all of my guests are very special to get on the Revenue Podcast, uh, Charles Morbauer. I have um, learned quite a bit from you, Charles, on discovery and really great ways to ask hard questions and um, just some really uh, things that have stuck with me for ever since I learned about you, I don't know, about a year ago now. Uh, I think I first heard you on I think I first might have heard you on Nick and Armand's podcast, um, 30 Minutes of Presence Club, and then again on on several others. So anyway, it's been a pleasure to be connected, finally able to meet, which is awesome. But Charles, you want to give folks a little rundown around uh, you know, who you are, what you do before we dive in the conversation today? Sure. And it's great to meet you too, Ethan. One year, that's 
That's wild. Yeah. It's amazing how you can follow somebody that you don't know for a year before you speak with them. So that's, that's really, really cool. And thank you again for having me. I am a sales enablement manager at CB Insights, where I focus my time, as it is clearly obvious on LinkedIn, is discovery. I think you mentioned before we hopped on right now is that every call is a discovery call. It's a fantastic way to think about things. And that's where I specialize here at CB Insights. And my role is to make everything discovery related, repeatable, scalable, and measurable. And of course, that involves not just one, a lot of one-on-one coaching that our reps get, but a lot of group trainings and a lot of, as you mentioned earlier, training around how to ask tough questions well, which makes the AE feel very comfortable and makes the prospect actually want to answer it comfortably. So we can talk a lot about that, but that is what my role is here at CB Insights. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Even how you speak, you can tell that you're good at discovery. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate Um, that. Yeah. Um, No, super, (laughs) super excited to, to chat through some of these things. But before we dive into discovery... Uh, this is something I'm making a habit, Charles. I know you're not jazzed up to be asked this question, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I'm, uh, I'm feeling a little awkward here, Charles, but I just have to know. <laughs> um, do you have any sort of uh, morning routine or anything that you follow in the morning to kind of get your mind in the right uh, mental space? Or, you know, what is the, what's the first hour of your day look like, Charles? I'm laughing because it's really embarrassing. Uh, the answer is I don't have a routine, um, and I should. I would say, <laughs> I would say. With that said, I tried to do my best in the morning to slow down, whatever that means for anyone who's listening. So, I think in the past, when I would wake up in the morning, I was in a rush to do something whatever that was, whether it was to get up to exercise or to get up to open up my laptop, whatever it was. And I think it has, it, it has been helpful for me and uh, I will continue to focus on this moving forward to give a space for myself to slow down before I do anything when I wake up. It doesn't matter what that thing is to exercise, to open up my laptop. I think giving my, myself some space in the morning um, would be helpful and it has been helpful for me. So, but I should have a routine moving forward to be completely honest. Well, sounds like you do have some sort of routine. Charles. <laughs> it's a uh, self-defined Jason's very much, uh, like you as well. Jason Bay, mutual friend of ours. He, uh, he, he likes to give himself a moment in the mornings. And, uh, I have attempted to do that as well with the things that I do in the morning to keep myself off of like Slack and email too early. But I feel you. I think everyone's yeah. got well. Now that we're talking about it, Ethan, I think a better way to say what I just said is instead of me waking up feeling like I have to do something, I'm going to wake up at a certain time to feel like I have to do nothing. So. <laughs> <laughs> my wife gives me uh my wife gives me shit about this too because like if we're gonna i usually hit the gym around 5 30 um and i like to wake up at like 4 30 for that reason 
because I don't like to wake up and feel I have to go, 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 get my stuff together, get out the door, get to the gym. I like to be able to breathe and like take a shower, wash my face, like that kind of thing in the morning before I have to rush out the door. There's also like physiological reasons, right? Like you shouldn't put a lot of weight on your spine until you've been up for an hour, that kind of thing. There's there's some nuances there, but you're not. You alone. just said, yeah, you just said it better than I did. So I like it. <laughs> you like it. Well, there you go. There's your new morning routine. I'm letting my spine compress in the morning before I get after it. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's jump into some of the sales stuff. So, Charles, one thing I'm actually I can't I'm going I'm to say one thing every time I say one thing, because I'm excited to get your opinion on all of these things. But the number one thing I want to talk about first is the prep for these intro calls, um, particularly from my angle. As you know, we do it all to sales. We have, we do outsource sales development. So we're putting a lot of energy and effort into getting finding the right account, finding the right targets at that account to get in front of the seller in front of the AE. And so it really, really bothers me when I see these AEs walk into these calls with having done no prep. They don't know anything about this company beyond maybe the name and a basic idea of what they do. And sometimes they think of it that way because it's like it's outbound. And so like, well, I'll see what there is here before I put too much, too much energy into it. And I firmly believe it's, it's the opposite of that, the inverse of that that gets more out of the call going into it with the right expectations, being prepared, knowing your customer, knowing a little about their company, a little bit about them and some potential use cases maybe already in mind that you can you can kind of help move the car, uh, the conversation forward with. But how do you think about prep for those intro calls? What are some things that you typically look at or you have your reps look at when it comes to getting ready for that first intro meeting? And if you need to filter this between inbound and outbound, that's fair as well. That's an awesome question. I first want to say it's important that people don't over-prepare. What I mean when I say that is when we feel like we are over-preparing, it could actually ruin how the call goes. And what I mean by that is I feel like as salespeople, we place a lot of the onus on ourselves to sell when really we should be placing most of the onus on the prospect sell themselves. And so when we over-prepare, we feel a heavy burden on us to feel like we have to impress, maybe not the best word, but to show the prospect that we are prepared. We have to show the prospect that we are somewhat prepared, but we don't need to know everything and anything about that prospect. And that heavy burden that we feel from over-preparing can make a conversation not conversational. So there's a healthy balance. Based on, this is the first thing I wanted to mention. Based on what you shared, Ethan, I agree with everything you've said. For me personally, I have found that what helps not only me, but also our AEs here at CB Insights is to find something that is, of course, related to what we do but also interesting enough for us to talk about. So let me give you a very specific example that's CB Insights related. And of course, any of the listeners can apply this to their specific offering, right? We speak with many folks who invest in emerging technology companies of a variety of sizes. And so when we are about to speak with anyone who does that, We'll go on their website prior to the call and we'll see some of the things that they've invested in, or we'll see the types of industries that they invest in, anything along those lines. 
And so when we get on a call and the AE might start with, oh, you know, before we kick off a conversation here, I, I noticed that you guys recently invested in this company. I was curious how that came about. It's really interesting. AKA in my head as the AE, that's what we help out investors with. Uh, and then B, I'm curious to know how you found it because it kicks off a very interesting conversation. So that's what we do. Um, part of that is also looking up initiatives. I noticed you guys just came out with this initiative to spend more time in this sector or any of those kind of items, not necessarily a trigger event, but a new initiative or things that they've done in the past right? that have to do with our use cases that I, as the AE, find really interesting. They, as the prospect, find it even more interesting to talk about. And now we're just having a conversation about what they do that I will ultimately have flow into a, a discovery conversation once we get into the meat of it. So it's not over-preparing, but it's definitely not under-preparing. So we try to look for things that are interesting enough for us to talk about so that we can kick off a conversation even before we set up some sort of upfront contract or an agenda just to get the conversation flowing. And selfishly, it makes the AE a lot more comfortable and a lot more present. Yeah, I love that. What I'm hearing is you really leverage your prep in you know, the quote-unquote rapport of the, you know, the early stages of that call. 100%. That's, that's a very good way to put it. It's a much more meaty way to have rapport than it is to talk about things that require no effort, like the, the weather. weather. Okay, we all know <laughs> about that. Yeah, uh, it requires um, some very interesting conversation that they love to talk about. And it gives them also indirectly an understanding as to the reason for the call. Yeah. I love it so much because I'm not really much of a, uh, I'm not much of a chit chat guy. And, and when I'm, and I'm, I'm, I've been on both ends of the cycle now, right. Where I'm evaluating vendors and I can't stand it when I get on a sales call and the first 15 minutes are them asking me about the fucking Dallas Cowboys or something. Cause they see the football behind me or, or something of that nature. I'm like, Hey, that's cool for 30 seconds, but like I have, I gave you 60 minutes. Like, let's, let's get it rolling. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Ethan. Like a, a, a discovery call, doesn't matter what kind of call it is. It has an allotted time, right? So that a lot of time is, is, it's kind of similar to that. A lot of time you can view it as like rental property. We only have this property in our midst and we can only do so much with it. So are we going to waste a lot of time, you know, building things on the property that are not of good use or ruining the property? I'm not thinking about it the right way. Maybe I'm not explaining it the right way, but we have a, a certain allotment of time and we want to use as much of that time as we can as salespeople to be effective and talk about things that are relevant. But like you said, building rapport and talking about things that have to do with their business are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Well, we're 10 minutes in and I already have a takeaway here. So <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, shifting gears a little bit, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the meat of the, the discovery call. Um, but before we get into that, 
another thing in my world is I oftentimes am in conversations around the difference between inbound and outbound first calls. And I always go back to the buyer's journey here when I'm talking to an AE and try to help them understand where their prospect is at. And not only that, but you know, when you get to second and third calls and more stakeholders involved, it's not like the account has a buyer's journey. I mean, they do, but each individual person you're speaking to has a buyer's journey and they may not all be in the same bucket. <laughs> and so I find that to be some of the, like the most challenging part of outbound, but um, curious how you think about the difference between inbound and outbound, you know, discovery slash, you know, first intro calls. Awesome question. First, I'll say one thing. A lot of the questions, well, not a lot, but one of the questions that we are taught to ask or advised to ask as account executives when we first get on a call with a prospect is, you know, out of curiosity, what compelled you to take today's call? Now, that question can be a very dangerous question. I, I would say that question is definitely not black and white, and it's very situational. So if we're talking about inbound, fantastic question to ask. Now, what compelled you to reach out to us? AKA, where are you in your potential buyer's journey? Great question to ask. It's a natural question to ask. And it's a great way to kick off the conversation even before an agenda. It's kind of like a great way to, it's a great way to build rapport even. Um, so that would be inbound specific. When it comes to outbound, and I think this will resonate for, for you, Ethan, and especially a lot of listeners, when we, I'm not against asking this question on outbound, just let me be clear. But a lot of times when you ask a question like that on outbound, well, what compels you to take the call? A lot of times they'll just tell you, I don't know, you've reached out to me like 10 times. So, yeah, or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you could argue you don't get a lot of value on that type of question on outbound. But I don't treat my discovery any differently on outbound than I do on inbound. The prospect, granted, it, it, it's harder to do discovery on an outbound than it is on an inbound. What I mean by that is it's maybe relatively more difficult to have the prospect answer the questions more honestly or more thoughtfully on an outbound than it is on an inbound. But I do not treat this discovery any differently. A lot of AEs will ask me, you know, how do you do discovery on an inbound versus an outbound? I don't do it any differently at all. I'll have an easier time doing it on an inbound um, than I would on an outbound, but I don't treat it any differently. I would say that if there was one thing that maybe I harp on a little bit more on an outbound is I will harp a lot more on the raising issues part, right? This is what we're hearing kind of stuff a lot more on an outbound because I want to make sure I at least get some sort of buy-in from the person that I'm talking to that they're saying to themselves, you know what, Charles, We're, you're bringing up some things that are actually worth talking about. I may not feel, I as the prospect may not feel that we have big issues, but it doesn't matter. I just want to get the prospect to a place where they're saying, you know what, Charles, you're bringing up some interesting points. And it's definitely worth speaking further. That's where I want. That's where I want them to be on the intro call. So that's the only difference I would make there. I think that what you that one sentence that you just said sums up my whole philosophy around 
that intro call and that my goal here is for you to think that what we're talking about is worth talking about some more. Yeah. Um, it's really all we have to do. And that's kind of how I think a little bit of differently. I have a slightly different approach to you, but oh, tell me, well, when someone, so I, first of all, I agree with you said about the, what, what, what compelled you to take the call today? You usually are going to get, well, your SDR was really persistent or, Hey man, it was a good email. And you know, something along that nature. Every now and then I have found you'll get a gym. It was like, well, Ethan, you said this, 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 and we've been talking about that, 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 that. And that's why I decided to take the call today. So every now and then you get a good gold nugget, a quick way for anyone listening to save that. If it doesn't go well is with a little chuckle. <laughs> yeah. Charles, I, I guess if, Guess if you were interested, you probably would have called me, right? Uh, well, I know you have uh, I know you have a million things going on, Charles. It would be helpful if I had some context for our conversation today, and then you can go right into your upfront contract, right? Um, I like but- that a lot. I'm going to nitpick something also. It's just good we can bounce things off each other. I'm very <laughs> anti statements like, uh, "I know you have a lot going on," so okay. I'm very against saying things that put them on a higher pedestal. I have a lot going on too. Well, so I love. I know, we, I know we both have a lot going on. Exactly. Go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I wanted to share that because this is this is good. Um, I like what you just said. I like that too. Uh, I'm going to make a change to my scripts right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. Um, so that's generally how what I tell people to have to you do your report. Or you'll you have your upfront contract. I use my upfront contract personally as the agenda as well. And so I'll say, hey. Great, Charles. Uh, I know we have 30 minutes allotted for today or any, any hard stops I need to be aware of. Yes, no, maybe so. Cool. And then this is where I would typically say, I know you got a lot going on, but now it's going to be, hey, I, I know we both got a lot going on here. And um, would it be helpful if I if I share a little context for today's call? And you're going to say, of course, Ethan, that'd be great. I'd say, sweet. And so what I go from the difference to me on inbound versus outbound is from there, I'll say, hey, great. Well, I'm going to show you today, Charles, how some world-class sales development orgs like IBM, da, 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 have been able to get around a 300% increase of production per SDR, which resulted in about 1.04 million close revenue on average per year per SDR. So around the 12-month CAC payback period. From there, I thought it'd be helpful to share a little bit about how Alti Sales has helped drive some of those outcomes. And then um, together, we can talk about whether it makes sense to dive in any further. And if not, you know, at least you'll have some insights you can take back and, and work on with the team. Is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover today so it's worth your time? And the reason why I structure it that way in the upfront contract on outbound specifically is because generally it primes them to start thinking about this thing that I'm talking about. So I'm helping to frame this conversation and where I want to go. And then when I ask that question, is there anything else you want to cover today so it's worth your time? It's just, I get the same result as on an inbound call when I ask you what compelled you to take the call today. Now that I've framed it a little bit and give you a little context and ask what you'd like to cover, you know, Ethan, now that you mention it, da, 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 you know, that's interesting. So how would you frame, how would you title those steps? So I would title it time check context or acknowledgement that this is cold and you did not express interest. Um, then I would go value, like insight, sharing, illumination, whatever. Pick one of those words. We use illumination at Alti Sales a lot. So illumination, like what you're going to get, what the value you're going to get out of my part of this today. And then, you know, then it's tell a little bit about your company. So the why you, and then it's, you know, next steps, um, which are, you know, I'm creating alignment on that with 
kind of at the beginning of the call. The I don't know how you want to title the what comes uh, what would you like to cover today, but I guess uh, mutual respect and that it's both <laughs> of our times here today. Uh, I like that a lot. Of course, so, Ethan, it's very dependent on I'm stating the obvious what kind of prospect you're speaking with because everybody's got a different use case. Uh, and so I personally, with that, the, the value piece, um, and this is CB Insights related, uh, we're pretty careful about um, stating, stating the wrong value for the right person that we're talking to. So we first want to kind of field out where, where their focus is before we make some assumptions. Um, but I, I like in general where, you know, kind of where, where you're taking that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that if we, if we look at most products and, you know, there's obviously scenarios where this doesn't make sense, but for most things, I think they ultimately roll up into like one of three things as focuses like why people buy this, maybe not the specific use case, but the ultimate outcome they're looking to drive is usually uh-huh. there's not that many options as to like what they're doing. Um, what are the three things? Sense. Yeah. That being said, re- revenue, risk, or profit. That's what they roll up into, generally speaking. Um, right. But More time. Yeah. Um, efficiency, effectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well said. The, uh, I have seen a product, though, that has about 50 different use cases. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to have to change the strategy a little, <laughs> a little bit here. <laughs> So I'm I'm with you on, on not too many assumptions too early on. Yeah. Big, I think big, I think the mitigating risk piece is something that salespeople don't stress enough of. Yeah. In general. Well, that's what that's what Jason and I talk a lot about around like the prospecting side. As people are like, well, they get on these cold calls and it's no different discovery. You get on these cold calls and you can't get a meeting and they push you down to, well, talk to my this manager when you call the VP. And I'll say, Well, Charles, why do you think that happened? Well, I guess you're just not thinking about these things right now. I said, no, man, it's because you're in the weeds. You're talking about the day-to-day, the process, the tech, and they're the process, the process for this shit. (laughs) You have to do because you have to talk about revenue, risk, or profit. You have to get in the clouds. And then now they'll want to chat with you. Um, so I like that a lot. Yeah. I view it the same same way in uh in discovery. Obviously, my use case, we have a very limited use case. You hire us to do one thing. So it's it's easier for me to uh to kind of articulate that for my scenario over yeah. random. Like if I try to do that for you guys, I'd have to I'd have to take a minute. <laughs> but 100%. Yeah. And now that we're talking about it, Ethan, if it's okay, if I jump in, I, th- I think that maybe a misunderstanding that salespeople might have is when they feel like they're raising issues. And when I speak to clients, they usually have, usually have a issue A, B, or C. We're not looking for them to pick one of those. That's not our goal. Uh, as at least that's not how I coach here at CB Insights or any rep outside of, outside of CB Insights. Our goal there is simply, hey, I'm going to show you that I know the issues that happen in your space based on what your peers share with me. I'm going to share them with you. It turns now into a more thoughtful conversation. And my goal here, like you said earlier, Ethan, is to get them, get the wheels spinning. That's all. I just want them to think. Maybe they resonate. Maybe they don't. It doesn't matter. What, what else might you be thinking about that I haven't mentioned because it's different for everybody? And now we're having a very thoughtful conversation. 
So that that's how I think about that. I think maybe a, many AEs are just looking for them to pick one. That's very thinking about it also very and from a very linear standpoint. We just want to spark thought because I know as an AE what I'm going to say. What I'm going to say is not very interesting because I know what I say every day. I know what questions I'm going to ask. That's not very interesting to me, but I have no clue what the prospect is going to say. And the more I can spark thought in a conversation, the more they're going to want to share something with me because I think it's also fair to say, Ethan, that if you would ask most buyers what they have, what problems they have with quote unquote salespeople is they don't ask them thoughtful questions. Um, and I think that is just a big differentiator. That's yeah. all. I agree. What do you think about this question since we're jamming on this topic and I like yeah. it? Um, so what I do when I present kind of the, you know, bringing up the issues, bringing up the challenges, et cetera, I'll usually frame it. I use, uh, I use Megan Mishiak. Do you know, do you know Megan? I haven't met her, but I've read a lot about her. Yeah. I use her framework of, of value drivers personally, and I love it. So I'll say, hey, Charles, you know, typically we help companies in one of three ways. Or typically what I'm hearing from folks like you, or they're looking at one of three things. And those are very customer-centric statements. They're not, we provide this tool to do this, and we provide this. To, they're very much, you know, they're looking to do this, or they want to do this, or they right. need to do this. And then I'll ask, how do these compare to your goals and challenges, Charles? And then to your point of like, I'm not asking you to pick one because you might, you might not be direct. You might be a mixture of one of those two things. You might be some of all three. You might be a different variation of one. All I want to know is like, I want to make sure, because we got a few different routes this can go and what I talk about today. And so I want to make it as relevant as possible. So if I can learn a little bit more of how you're thinking about this current thing, That'll help me to share the information that I believe would be most relevant for you, because there could be a story from this customer that might be more relevant or a story from this customer that might be more relevant. And I want to pick the right one. Right. So what do you think about that question? How does this compare to your goals, Charles? I like that a lot. I like that a lot. In addition to that, um, you know, we all have our own styles as sales professionals, and I think as long as what we're all sharing in terms of what are best practices, we pick one that works for us in our voice. One that's worked for me a lot is when I bring up those challenges is I'll say something like, you know, I was just curious to what extent that surprises you and your team. I'll ask that question. The surprise question is curious to what extent that surprises you. In other words, so if I start from the beginning, I'll say, you know, as you can imagine, Ethan, I speak with two or three blank teams here uh, at CB Insights on a daily basis, innovation teams, investment teams, whatever it is. Um, and we're finding, that's my other phrase, we're finding that a lot of them want to be better at A, B, or C, however I phrase that. And I, I was just curious to what extent that surprises you and your team and how you guys might think about that. So I combine my to what extent that surprises you and how you might think about that. It's a very, like you said, it's a very general way to start a conversation. Um, I think asking prospects, how do you think about X is just a great way for them to talk, right? How do you think when you, when you, and I'll talk about TV insights, 
when you guys monitor emerging tech companies that are lesser known, how do you think about capturing them sooner than maybe some of your competitors? Right? The question almost almost doesn't mean anything, <laughs> but the prospects love to talk about how they think about things. When I think about, when I'm approaching sales, how do I think about X? When I'm approaching investing, how do I think about, and they love to talk about it. And when, they, when you ask them how they do things and how they think about things, they, they'll share challenges that they have where they'll share what they want to be better at many times without even, even having to ask it. So that's the ideal, right? If I think about the ideal discovery conversation is empowering them to share what they want to be better at and where they have gaps without me having to ask about it specifically. That's the ideal conversation. So very, very peer-to-peer. And asking them how they think about things, uh, I, help, I, I find helps drive that type of conversation. But I like what you share with Megan and adding to what extent that surprises and how you think about things just is another version, I'd say, of getting them to just talk. Excuse me. I, uh, wow. You made me nervous choking up over here. Um, I love the, uh, I love the, how it surprises you part. I love that a lot. Uh, And I'm pretty sure I've heard you say that before, but not in this exact context. So see, it just goes to show sometimes you need to hear things in the right context. hundred percent. (laughs) Hundred <laughs> percent, and also when you when we're you know we're posting this stuff on LinkedIn, tone obviously matters the most. Um, and I find that when a prospect starts talking, and I just I'm listening, I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. You say that, and I don't say anything because I'm thinking about what I want to say next, and I'm just silent. They just start, of course, talking more, and this goes back, Ethan, to what we the first question you asked me. In this conversation, which is what I do in my routine, I, I try to slow down. When I'm talking to somebody, I don't have to be a quick thinker. I really don't. I can just pace myself and I give, my ta- give myself time to ask the next question while thinking about what the prospect just said. Worst case scenario, the prospect says, is everything okay or are you still there? And I say, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just taking notes. But of course, even if it's a video, they, they, they see me thinking. Yeah. I, uh, I, um, I think that's one of the easiest things as seller can start doing with no other plan in place to immediately be better at discovery. Just like shut the fuck up for a second and take <laughs> it in and hear what was just Take said. it in. Take think it in. What you want to say next. <laughs> take it in a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I was just, I was going to, the, I was going to echo what you said there. Like, that's what my experience is when I'm mm, mm-hmm, interesting and I don't yeah. say anything else. They just keep talking and they tell me more things. <laughs> so when we're giving now I'm getting a little sidetracked. Also when we're giving demos, we know what our demos are. We do this multiple times a day. They don't. So after we have shown them something that can help them, and they say, oh, that's interesting. I'll just let it sit and let have to process it um, because they'll either ask a question. And even if they won't, I find also as a buyer, when a salesperson lets me sit on something, it really just, it allows me to have a, a strong, a much stronger takeaway from the conversation that's a lot more memorable. Yeah. 
And it's really hard for you to sit on something and think about it if I don't shut up and let you sit on it and think about it. <laughs> well said. Love it. Um, <laughs> shifting gears again, shifting into third speed now. Um, I guess that's not the right word, third gear, whatever. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about kind of um, frameworks or how you think about Charles, those discovery calls, those intro calls. I know you said it. You're going to run yours. You have the you have the process you're going to follow regardless. So would love to hear more about anything you can share that you think might would be helpful for perhaps um, someone who hasn't run a bunch of these, doesn't have a bunch of reps under the belt. And if someone who has a bunch of reps on the belt and they're open-minded enough to learn something, you can drop some nuggets on them too. Cool. So yeah, it's a, that's an awesome question. When it comes to discovery conversation, I feel it's important for everybody to have a roadmap of how I'm going to get from point A to point B in this conversation. So I think I spoke about it with Jason a while back. The example I like to use is, is Ethan, if you and I were very close friends and maybe one day we will be, and I know where I know how to get to your house, right? So I don't need ways to get to your house. I can drive my car, be present on the road. Right. And not have to think about how to get to your house because I know how to get there. It's kind of like innate. I know how to get from point A to point B. And if somebody on the way of my driving cuts me off or road is blocked or the drive doesn't happen in the way that I thought it would, that's cool. I don't freak out because I know where I'm going. I know how to go around. I know how to take another road. Right. It's the exact same thing in a discovery conversation. I know ideally how I want the call to run, but if the prospect wants to take control of the conversation immediately, okay, no problem. I'll let that happen. I'll back off. I'll answer some questions, but I also know how to get back on the main road and steer the conversation toward where I'd like it to go without it having to feel forced or without them realizing that I'm doing that. So. For a roadmap, if I were to think about it at a very high level, I want, assuming we kicked off some level of rapport and already assuming we did some upfront contract, okay, I'm going to ask them a little bit about what they do at their company. Now, if I'm talking to that type of prospect with that type of title, right, I'm going to let them know something like, you know, I have a sense for what you do already. At the firm, but everybody I speak to is different. Everybody I speak to has a unique strategy. Uh, we'll lo- love to understand how you think about things at your firm and kind of what your role kind of looks like. But I- I'll give it that preface so that I'm not asking that question in a very generic, blank slated way. So um, they begin telling me about you know what they do at the firm, um, and then I'm going to ask them you know to what extent they do X, Y, and Z. So, you know, curious to what extent that, you know, you monitor emerging technology um, and, you know, what that looks like on the team. Now, I could, I would ideally want to combine those two in my first ask. So that might look like, hey, Ethan, you know, glad we could connect. Let's say I do the agenda. Um, great. So, Ethan, as your, as your role in this company, um, I'm going to assume, although I was brought up maybe not to assume, but I'm going to assume you guys probably do a, a pretty good job 
monitoring emerging technologies, or I'm assuming you guys do a really good job doing X. But before I make any assumptions, curious to learn about what you guys do over at this firm, because I might be wrong. So I want to know what you do. Then they'll tell me. Then I want to know how do you do it? Can you walk me through how that works? Right. And then once they tell me what they do and how they do it, I might ask why they do it. I might ask why, out of curiosity, why are you guys tracking emerging technologies? Again, of course, this is CB Insights related. If anybody who's listening can relate it to their offering. And then after that conversation, I'm going to slip in the raising issues part. And the raising issues part is the meat, really, of the discovery conversation, in my opinion. That's the crux. That's the magic. That's where the magic happens. Um, and so I'm going to raise the issues. I'm going to talk about it with the prospect. I'm going to ask some clarification questions. Again, this is just an intro call. And then once I have that, the meat of that conversation there, I'm going to say, great, would it be helpful if I give you some context around how we might be able to help you? I'm just going to do a little kind of like ask for permission. Then I'm going to do my pitch, right? In general, this is how we work with other teams. And then I'm going to say, so for you, based on what you shared, this is where we might be able to help. I'm going to pause there and say, you know, curious what questions you might have for me. I'm going to answer some questions that they might have. And then I'm going to roll my transition into the next conversation, which might sound like, so Ethan, you know, I appreciate all these questions. I, I hope my answers were, were good enough for our first conversation. Uh, assuming that we can help you with these things, do you think it'll make sense for us to speak further? And you'll say, yeah, it makes sense. Great. So wh why don't we do this? Um, the next step is to show you how we do it on a, on a demo. I'm sure you have a lot of questions for them, uh, for us at that time also, which I'm happy to answer. I'm, I'm going to have a lot of questions for you too. Uh, and on that demo, we'll show you how that would work and we could take it from there and then I'll schedule the call. But that's a very high level, Ethan, roadmap of how I would run my discovery call. When I was talking about prospects cutting you off, a lot of times we'll do an agenda and they'll say, well, tell me about you first. Like, what do you guys do? How can you help me? Right? And they'll take control of the conversation and that's fine. I was like, great. This is what we do. This is how we typically help you. And these are the problems that, that, that clients or prospective clients like yourself typically want to solve for. And I'll answer those questions. And then if that happens for the first two, three minutes, that's cool. I'll be like, great. I, I appreciate all these questions, Bob. I, I know a little bit about you based on what I've read online, but I certainly don't know a whole lot. We'll have to learn more about your team and how you guys think about these things. And now I just switched the conversation, took control of the conversation, uh, and I could take you know, the conversation from where it started to where I want it to go. Yeah. I um, So I understand now why your calls look the same, whether they're inbound or, or outbound, because like I historically have always been an outbound guy. I have, I've always been in a startup where I was, you know, hunter role, no leads lists, no inbound leads to marketing, like go hunt them down, figure it out. And so everything I've ever done has been through that lens. And I think there's some like cool things to point out. I know we're about to run out of time, but there's cool things to point out in that roadmap that Charles just shared. And so um, number one is I don't know what happened on LinkedIn that got like sticked so far up sellers asses that um, like taking the peer-to-peer uh, -peer thing like I think like too far or like they're insecure about it. 
So therefore, when they when when prospect opens up, well, Charles, I want to hear about what you do first. So like, tell me, how do you guys help that they like freak out? Like you t- gave you gave the uh, example of I was driving to your house and I go, I don't freak out if something changes because I know where I'm going. And so you know, I'm like you. Like I, it doesn't do me any good to argue with you about the fucking questions you're asking me. Like, what good does that do for anybody? Not me. Not you. Nobody. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your questions, <laughs> and I know how. <laughs> I'm going to get back to what I want to get to. There's lots of different techniques. You could do something like what Charles just did. That's what you just did essentially is like tagging, you know, so I'm going to answer your question and I'm going to tag my question on the end. And now we're likely to answer me. It's a game of catch. Yeah. Um, You don't have to panic. You don't have to freak out. You just need to be prepared. Like if you don't know how to answer that question, what do you guys do? Having known nothing about this prospect, then that's probably the problem you should address first. Um, should be able to answer that question. Um, I love that. And I use the, like the roles and goals piece. I usually ask for a couple of goals too. So, Hey, you know, Charles, obviously I see your VP of marketing. So-and-so, you know, I obviously have some assumptions on what I think that you're probably working on, but would love to just hear it. Cause every organization is a little bit different. We'd love to hear it from you. You tell me a little bit more about, you know, your role, your team, and maybe a couple area focuses you have, you know, for 2022. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, and they'll, they'll give that insight or whatever. And I do the same thing. I'll go into, I usually use like the, the value drivers piece there at, at that stage in the call where like, I'll ask around, Hey, folks usually, are you know, they're thinking about these three things or whatever, whenever they right. come here, curious, how's that compare to, you know, how you're thinking about that. And they'll give you some insight and say, great. Um, so Charles, uh, any more questions right now is okay. If I kind of share some of the, some of the findings that, you know, we kind of discussed earlier, that'd be okay. Sweet. And then go into your prezo. And now at the end, you can shift. I love it, man. That's a very broad stroke, similar process that I follow. And that's what I always tell people is this would work super well in inbound too. If you just use the same thing. A hundred percent. And it's funny. Um, I want to share a quick story. In my early sales days, I was, I had just read about the challenger sale and I mistakenly thought I had to be rude with prospects after I read it. <laughs> So I, I remember a founder of a private equity firm who wasn't wasn't really a nice individual, was very aggressive, you know, asked me at the time, said, well, Charles, how many paying clients do you have? And I took it personally, and I thought I was supposed to challenge him. So I said to him, well, why is that relevant? Now, not a good move, but I'll never forget what he responded. And it was just a fantastic response. He said, it's relevant because I asked. That's all. So it doesn't matter if we like the prospect's question. It doesn't matter if they want to take control of the conversation in the beginning. That's cool. It's important to them. I will address it. But I also know that I will take back control of the conversation in a very conversational and thoughtful manner. So if they have questions, it's important to them. And that's cool. Yeah. The the roadmap trial just shared what it does, it gets your it gets your prospect in the mood zone mindset to answer your questions a little too. Um, whenever we don't just pepper them with all of our medic questions in the first 10 minutes of this conversation. Um yeah. we did not sorry, go ahead. Did you have no, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I try, by the way, Ethan, this entire time, trying not to cut you off at all, because it is the hardest thing for me personally. 
So I want to let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I, uh, I didn't, you can, if you had something, I was going to shift gears. So if you had something, you want oh, yeah, to no, add, please I, shift gears. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm shifting gears to, um, we're running out of time. So oh. <laughs> both of our times here is Charles. Um, I do have one final question to ask you and then, uh, and then we can wrap it up. But if you had to sum up and I'm sorry, I did not prep you with this question. Um, if you had to sum up maybe, and it doesn't even have to be in terms of impact or it can be whatever your personal preference is. But when you, when you look at AEs and their intro calls, what do you find are kind of like the top couple of things or one thing, or if you have several, that's fine. That, that like pigeonhole them and keep them from moving the conversation forward. I have a few that I commonly see, but can I hear yours. Yeah, sure. You can hear mine. Yeah. Um, mine are uh, the opening of the call. So how you set the tone of the conversation, like lack of an upfront contract or a very shitty one. Um, it, it, what I, what I see oftentimes is, Hey, Charles, and this is obviously outbound related, but Hey, Charles, do you know anything about Alti sales? Have you ever heard of us before? No. Okay, cool. Well, we do. And then get right into why you right there for the next five minutes. And then that really derails the rest of their conversation. It's not that it, you know, couldn't be saved or that there's not a percentage of people that are do they're looking for that exact thing you just worked out. And it's going to work out that 1% of time, 1% of conversations, but for the, right. you know, for the odds, it's not a great way to start the call, right? There's right. that. Um, the second, the second thing I often see is, you know, they're on a presentation for like 25 minutes of this, uh, of this 30 minute call. And, and they haven't, like they haven't asked about where the prospects at on this, how, like you said, you typically ask like what they're doing then how they're doing it. And then maybe why, or, you know, some, some questions around that and that general framework I agree with. And what I, what I see happen a lot is they go into a big, long canned presentation of this case study or that case study. And this is how our technology works. And great. Do you want to buy this thing? Um, like, of course not idiot. Like, of course, of course I don't want to. So um, those are the two biggies. And then the last one I see is they don't, they don't get next steps in the calendar because they can't push past something like, Hey, uh, yeah, this does sound interesting, but you know, I want to circle back and, and chat with the team and, and I'll get back to you. You shoot me. Yeah. Yeah. I think by the way, Ethan, what's cool about our conversation right now is that it's again, going to roll back into the first question that you asked me. Um, I, and this is going to sound so silly and counterintuitive. We're all taught to do something. Um, we have to try and start doing nothing. Um, I know if you're a fan of Jerry Seinfeld, that sounds very Seinfeld-ish. But what I mean is we're, we're taught, oh, these are the questions that I should ask. Always get next steps. Those are not wrong, okay? But I think that one of the biggest things that salespeople lack is real curiosity. Oh, Charles, it's very nice that you say that, but like, how do I actually do it? And this is how you do it. I, 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 when I started in sales, I couldn't listen to a damn word that somebody was saying, because I was thinking about the next question I should ask. I remember a prospect that ran a venture capital fund interrupted me in the middle of my talking and said, Charles, Charles, are you in sales? And I was like, yeah. He goes, that's interesting. Because you're not listening to a word I'm saying. Oh, it was amazing. It's funny, right? It's wild. 
And I went home and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. And thank goodness that happened. I went to work the next day, forgetting about everything that I was, all the questions that I was supposed to ask. And all of a sudden I was present. If I wanted to make a joke on the call, I made a joke. If I wanted to talk about what I was passionate about outside of work, I brought it up on the call. And all of a sudden I felt very comfortable asking, hey, Bob, can I ask you a weird question? He's like, sure. I'm like, how long has that been an issue for you? That came naturally because I stopped giving a shit about what I was supposed to ask. And I started caring more about, hey, I'm really curious about what the hell you have to say because you're in that seat and I'm not. And I know that every time I'm speaking to somebody in that seat, I'm going to learn something cool. I know I will. And I'm going to take what I learned and I'm going to apply it to my next call. And then it has a compounding effect. I'm going to take what I learned there. I'm going to apply it to my next call. I'm going to take what you just said, how you said it, the phraseology you used, and I'm going to take it to my next call. And it built up my skill set and allowed me to become a much better sales professional that level of curiosity before I got on the call, I said, okay, what Ethan is about to set, to share with me on this call, I know I'm not going to know before. And I'm just going to be really curious about what he does without having an agenda. And it was just great. It really helped me out a lot. And it got me to be myself, to feel more comfortable. And it allowed me to have a lot of fun, right? What a concept. Have fun at your job. If you're not having fun selling, then you're either not selling or you shouldn't be in sales. Have fun. It's a fun job. That's all. I went on a rant. Sorry. No, I love it. You got very passionate about that. And I love yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I say that too, man. Somewhere along the lines, we got so freaking serious in sales. Like we're just two humans having a conversation, man. It's okay to be human. Smile, lighten up a little bit. Um, but anyway, Charles, greatly appreciate your time here. This was awesome. We're probably going to have to have uh, another conversation about some of the other things that I didn't get to, but I think this was valuable to everyone who listened. Really appreciate it. Uh, anything you want to leave everyone's with, uh, where to find you, anything you want to plug or anything like that? Yeah. Thank you for having me again, Ethan. If anybody wants to ask me any question, you're welcome to hit me up directly on LinkedIn. I, have, I answer questions for a lot of AEs and I've helped them close deals that they didn't think were closing. So you're welcome to hit me up. Awesome. He's a great one um, to check out. I'll put his link in the show notes as always. And thanks for listening. Peace out, guys. Cheers.